Hello, and welcome to Repertory Screenings, episode 13. I'm your host, M, and with me are my regular co-hosts, Jackson. Hello. And Destiny. Howdy. And we're here to talk about some movies. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the end of the month of October, and we watched a horror movie. Uh, because we insisted that Jackson watch horror movies, and we tried very hard to be nice, and I think we did a pretty good job. <laughs> This was fine. There's, yes. There was nothing. There was nothing. It was like, you know, I've seen an, ep- an episode of Doctor Who. Like, yes. it's not it's like the most baby shit in the world. So it was, it was fine. Good. Oh, uh, good. Um, that I figured. Uh, but um, has anybody watched any other movies? Me and Destiny saw The Lighthouse yesterday, uh, which is uh, the new movie from the director of The Witch. What is that guy's name? Robert is Eggers. Something yes. Eggers. Yeah, yeah, Robert Eggers, uh, which is about uh, Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson on and a lighthouse mustaches. together for four weeks and just dissolving into tension and paranoia. It's very good. Uh, I liked it a lot. I probably liked it more than The Witch because, uh, like, the Quaker stuff is not as cool of an aesthetic as, like, Herman Melville soliloquies. That's correct. True. I enjoyed it. It was super Jungian. Uh, Willem Dafoe is like creepy good. Yeah. I don't understand how Willem Dafoe. He's always been good, yes. but like I always forget how good he is. I did not understand Robert Pattinson's accent. No, it's all over the place. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he was. I, I assume he was supposed to be American, but he just could not keep it going uh he Incredible. was either like like mid-atlantic or like canadian uh it was hard it, but then but it also just then. kind of veered into like doing like a weird 50s man <laughs> oh this is all so good this is all incredible but it was like 50s man who was clearly trying to hide a british accent yes it wasn't very good <laughs> Uh, he was good. It was just the accent. The accent was the only bad thing about his performance. Th- Everything else about it was fabulous. The thing his accent reminded me of was uh, that movie Howl with uh, James Franco. <laughs> just very, like, trying to affect the cadence of, like, beat poetry and, like, the 50s style or whatever. Uh, it was very funny. <laughs> um, but, yeah, had a good time. Also saw Gemini Man uh, in high frame rate, which... Uh, um. I, I don't know if you can still do, but if you can, please do it. Because there was, was three days when I could have done it, and it, it fell apart for various life reasons. I'm so mad. Uh, the the high frame rate I think is really good in that. Uh, I, it's interesting because I think it changes the way we read acting to screen, and like re flattens out like who what counts as good acting because uh, we don't know how to like unless you watch a lot of like you know soap operas we don't have a lot of experience parsing high frame rate acting and i think that's good and interesting i'd, I'd love to see more experiments in this style mm-hmm. um i would agree I've, I've only seen the hobbit films this way uh, yeah which are uh, just those films, films being terrible yeah <laughs> uh, those films being terrible is a bummer but i did i did like the high frame rate stuff mm-hmm. just as a cool thing to do no I have mixed feelings about it. Sometimes I think it makes everything look like a really expensive soap opera. The lighting is weird, but like the action sequences looked really good and the special effects looked really good. Um, it's kind of a baffling plot. People really need to watch because anime because it, it like spends a lot of time building up to like the premise of a different, of like an anime. <laughs> That isn't just the he's young Will Smith Metal Gear. 
I mean that that's there too, but like the themes and stuff you would have done in the pilot of a show, and it, it takes okay. an hour and a half to get there in the movie. <laughs> There's also just like okay, so Will Smith is what fifty something, yes, fifty maybe fifty on the dot, and then Mary Elizabeth Winstead is kind of his love interest, but not really. No, I would say not it's, really. It's weird, but like the way that they frame it at the beginning is like, oh, maybe there'll be a couple and then i'm glad it doesn't go in that direction but yeah i don't know weird movie weird movie Um, i will still watch it when it comes out uh here just you know i'm not going to cinema and spending that money if i can't see it for a high frame rate so i'll wait for it to come out on blu-ray and then i'll i'll Uh, find it yeah and the the metal gear stuff is funny because uh it's it's misapplied it just needs to go deeper it just needs to start with the themes that it 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 wants to have uh just go for it people can people fall along or fall off regardless like it doesn't matter um the metal gear stuff is funny because metal gear is kind of surface level in its themes once you've watched more than four anime yes (laughs) so it's if it's like even more surface level than that it's gonna be uh we have veterans of this nonsense yes it did it, it was absolutely that but uh will smith is better at acting than david Hayter, unfortunately so well that's true that's know, just a fact yeah um also it, you know it's two hours and not 30 <laughs> that's also true yeah. there's not a half an hour bit where naomi and otacon bone oh uh did you watch any movies jackson <laughs> Uh, one, but I already talked about it on the other podcast. Okay, so no. well, let's just get into it then. Uh, this week, we are watching Creepshow, which is a 1982 uh, horror comedy anthology uh, directed by George Romero, written by Stephen King. I assume in the depths of his coke habit, by the way he appears in this movie, um, has a, a star-studded <laughs> cast, including Hal Holbrook, Adrian Barbeau, Leslie Nielsen. Um just a bunch of shorts. Uh, this is a movie me and Destiny grew up with, uh, but this was Jackson's first time watching it. So, Jackson, yeah. why don't you tell us a bit about how you feel about Creepshow? And then we'll probably really go down the various it. shorts. Um, well, f- first of all, I have a question about the context of when this movie came out. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I know Stephen King was like a big deal, um, and George Romero is a big deal from just uh, Night of Living Dead and everything. Um but culturally, at the time, in the early 80s, was this like, these are the two huge horror names coming together to do a thing, or was it slightly... I, I don't know what the level of, like, this... Uh, um, what's the word? This uh, collaboration is in terms of I mean, being these two people teaming up to make a horror thing. The idea of huge horror names is, like, a different thing in a pre-VHS era, right? Okay. Um but like people would know who Stephen King was. Most people who watch horror movies would know who George Romero is. Those are those are known things. But it's yeah. not. It's not like the ridiculous thing where I look at that and go, "Wow, those are the two people. They're making a movie together." No, just from knowing history. Well, I mean, Stephen King was huge, but I don't yeah. know how George Romero. Like he was, you know, probably still pretty huge. Then. Yeah, I mean, Dawn of the Dead had come out like five years before. Uh, mm-hmm. Was oh, a really yeah. big movie. Um, you know. Uh, if you were into the genre, you absolutely knew who George Romero was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I really liked the movie. Um, I think the <laughs> the ordering of the short this was was a bit uh, funny in that it's two hours long, but they fit the first three shorts into the first hour, and you're like, oh no, the next one's gonna be really long. Um, but it was fine. I I I most I mostly really liked it. Uh, 
my favorite two shorts are the middle two. Uh, there's um, five, so you need to be specific. Uh, well, the the something's tied you over on the crate. The, okay. the two. Yes. Um, I think that uh, I just thought it was I thought it was good. Um, I don't know how much to, I want to say with it before us uh, actually going into these. Yeah, okay. Uh, but I mostly really liked it. I found I found like a lot of the um, uh, like the most off-putting part wasn't that I was scared. It was that some parts of it were just gross to look at. Well, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. The bug stuff was like, Mm-mm, I don't like looking at this. I just don't oh, want to look at this with my eyes. We, we will get into that in a second, because that was like, I think some stuff came up for me watching that, where I have to go to back to therapy and go, hey, we, we might have to work. Because like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, when we, let's, how about, do you just want to go from segment to segment? And yeah. Kind of just talk about yeah. each one. Okay. So there's like a very a- ridiculous framing device uh, about a dad who's mad that his son, who's played by Stephen King's son, uh, who is now a famous author, uh, is reading these horror comics. Joe Hill. Yes. Uh, and the thing about this, it doesn't really matter, is that it's really funny because this movie is like, you know, sometimes being very arch, that it's a dad who's like, I don't want you watching those horror, or reading those horror comics, they're going to corrupt your minds, but the dad also swears at the kid in a way that, like, don't doesn't gel. Like, the parents who were very policing of their kids' media were not the parents who were ever going to swear at the children growing up mm-hmm. uh this is just uh, me watching movies backwards um but all i could think of in this was the uh classic scene of cinema uh from tenacious d and the pick of destiny <laughs> <laughs> uh, where meatloaf <laughs> yells at young jack black <laughs> yeah that's fair oh that's definitely well it's also one of those 80s metal video tropes of the mm-hmm. dad yelling at the kid what are you gonna do with your life uh, these Apple Jacks don't taste like apples. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so th- that's th- that. The first short is called Father's Day. Um, it is an original thing written for the film. Uh, one of these is based on a short story. Uh, it, a couple of these actually. Um, but this is about a patriot, like, everyone coming together to celebrate the birthday of a patriarch. Uh, and it's like vaguely, arch murder mystery stuff as a bunch of rich people and ed harris as like the one lower class guy because he wears jeans and has a big belt buckle uh sit around and feel uncomfortable about maybe he was murdered maybe he deserved it who can say what's going on um which is ridiculous and then the 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 patriarch comes back as a zombie that's the thing that's what happens that's the thing and then he kills everyone (laughs) yes oh god what's the name of that actress that we were looking up because we loved her so much, Aunt Bedelia. Uh, Aunt Bedelia. Uh, Vivica Landfers. Yeah. Oh, wow. Her and then the other old woman, older woman, the one who uh, discovers the maid's body. I love them both so much. I could watch a whole movie of just them being weird at each other. <laughs> uh, yeah, this one is weird because, like... I feel like it's the good st- a start to a movie I would like, but it never resolves into anything that I think is anything other than like a like a like almost like an improv setup for a joke that never pays off. Because I don't think the I, zombie is like enough. I um, feel like it's very much a homage to that Twilight Zone episode about the family that's waiting to get the like sick old man in the wheelchairs money. 
And I think he gives them all masks and then they're like all greedy and shitty and he like plays a prank on them. But instead he's, he's just already dead and it's, you know, I don't know. It felt a lot like that. Like a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I tend to agree with them. I think it's the probably the weakest shot here. Uh, I think, well, I I preferred watching it to the bug one. <laughs> um i think it's more entertaining and the performances are really good uh but it definitely doesn't like coalesce into something um like the others all have fairly you know you brought up twilight zone they have these fairly pointed climaxes that like emphasize the moral through line of what's being done here uh and in this he just kind of kills everyone and it's bad um there's no like catharsis or revelation to what is actually happening he just comes back and gets his cake uh, Ed Harris getting crushed by a giant tombstone. That was pretty good. That was pretty I good. Liked, I also liked drunk, gay, mean brother. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, Ed Harris in this was so funny. I, I can't tell if this was like a joke because I see Ed Harris. I'm like, oh, it's Ed Harris. And he'll probably be the one who survives to the end. And he'll, we'll deal with what it is like for this person not involved with this family to come to like come face to face with just the weird, petty bullshit uh, now turned supernatural of this kind of aristocracy. And then he just kind of walks outside, mopes around for a bit and <laughs> gets died. Get, gets owned, owns, gets died. Good job. He, he gets killed. He gets owned. Uh, he did. Th- this is a year before the right stuff, which is where he blew up. So he's okay. like a TV actor and getting like some small roles in movies right now. Um, yeah, I, I just like see Ed Harris. I'm like, oh, he's that famous actor. Loves famous action in this movie. But I, yeah, I, he's I, here to yeah. tell you that he he's sad that his men died because it's The Rock. Because that's what I think of every time I think of Ed Harris. <laughs> that's what everyone else but me thinks of. I don't really, I don't really think about The Rock my, very often. My go-to Ed Harris uh, role, I always think of him as Jackson Pollock. I haven't seen that movie. It's pretty good. I think mine would be Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. That's fair. Uh, maybe Apollo 13, I don't know. The Rise of Us really good, though. Yeah, Apollo no. 13 is great, but I usually think of him as like playing bad guys, and he's not in Apollo 13. He just wears that sweater. He Did does wear that ta- sweater. <laughs> Did we already talk about EC Comics? No. No. Okay. You can. Um, but we will at some point. We can do it now. We can do it later. <laughs> whole film is an homage. I'm reading this straight from the Wikipedia page. To the EC horror comics of the 1950s, such as Tales from the Crypt, The Vault of Horror, and The Haunt of Fear. Um, the movie is very, very much a 50s throwback. Very much has the same sort of moral code that the, that was enforced on the comic books at that time. Uh, and also, you know, the special effects are comic booky. Uh, but weirdly, the movie in itself just looks like a 50s film in a lot of ways and feels like one in a lot of ways. But I just want to throw that out there. Oh, and also Tom Savini did all the special effects, yep. who works with worked with George Romero before. Yep. And uh, that's why it looks so gross and so amazing. Yes. Oh, it looks so gross sometimes. Tom Savini's <laughs> so good. Yeah, it's one of the grossest movies, but... Oh, I love it. Also, every short ends as it turns into a comic book, and then some animation happens, and the animation is all really good and like crunchy. It's it it looks great because it still it's like reads as like seventies independent animation. Like mm-hmm. everything's just over animated because uh, they didn't have to do a lot of it. it, it I love it. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of good like stoner van art. <laughs> yes. 
Um, the second short is The Lonesome Death of Jordy uh, Verrill, uh, which is based on a Stephen King short story called Weeds. Uh, Stephen King plays Jordy Verrill, who is just like this, like, the the Wikipedia a describes yokel. him as a yokel, and that is correct. He's just like very, like, down home character that veers kind of into like this guy is like actually dumb parody uh which has not aged great but a yeah it's not very nice meteorite lands in his yard and he's like with this i could pay uh the college uh, or i could pay my bank loan back by selling the meteor to the college uh and he goes to get it and douses it with water and it cracks open and some blue substance gets on him and plants begin to sprout all over him and everything else as it just turns into like a creature feature thing um, for a while as that's uh, as he slowly succumbs to the plants and hallucinates his like dad and who is also the doctor he keeps imagining going and selling the meteorite to. Uh, yep. And, yeah, I like that little weird twist. <laughs> and it is mostly notable. I mean, one, the grass creature effects are really good, but also King is just unhinged as this guy. <laughs> Yeah, the yes. coke years were strong <laughs> with King here, and uh, one of my favorite things about it, even though it's really mean, is the joke is like, oh, he'll get $200. <laughs> That's the money he wants. Like, yep. he'll, he'll ask for nothing less than $200 for this meteor. And I also liked how... Uh, um, M described how like muppety the grass creature looks at the end. Yes, it's very good. <laughs> yes, he d- he just is a big floppy muppet by that point. <laughs> yep. Are this, covered in grass. This is the one I remembered most from my childhood because just the like the shots of like his room slowly turning into this like alien like gra- green landscape. I think are still like really impressive. There's like a very like the day aliens landed vibe to the whole thing. It just looks like a cool pulp novel cover. Uh, mm. and that stuff's great. It feels much less, uh, like EC comics and way more like, you know, like strange tales sort of thing, uh, to me. And I appreciate that. It's interesting. I think this, this one is a weird, like mix of multiple kind of tones because like King's performance is just a cartoon and yes. like compared to, even the other like people playing types uh no one else is as much of a cartoon as king here but the like slow progression of the grass taking over is kind of sedate and like legitimately really scary uh in a way that like if king wasn't playing a cartoon this would be a whole different kind of short Mm. um and it would just be the most unsettling thing uh so like those two things being together here in, in is strange because I think every for the most part all the other uh shorts are fairly they just have the one tone consistently. Yes. Um but that was what t- uh, caught me out about this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doesn't seem like turning into a plant person's that bad honestly. Yeah, I was sad that he committed suicide cuz I I didn't remember that. Uh even though I've seen this movie a billion times. Uh for some reason, I just didn't remember that. So it was like, I almost liked the idea of him resigning himself to it and being okay with being the plant monster. <laughs> I, I was, that. I was surprised the suicide worked. I thought that was going to be the, the, the twist there that he had no, to just become one with the plants. Spread all over the place. It's all over the land. I know. It's plant time. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, the third short is Something to Tide You Over, which is about uh, Richard, who is a like just the most evil cartoon man played by Leslie Nielsen. Uh, we'll talk about it in a second. Uh, who <gasps> it goes uh, up to the man who's sleeping with his wife, uh, who's named Harry. He is played by Ted Danson. And he's like, I've captured her. I know what you did. And you need to uh, go with me if you ever want to see her alive again. And he does. And he buries uh, Harry in the sand up to his uh, neck at low tide as the tide comes in. And then he sets the TV with a camera pointed at Becky, who, who is played by Galen Ross, uh, she was Francine in uh, Dawn of the Dead, uh, the main cool. one of the main characters of that movie. Um, and then he just kind of leaves them as he cackles and goes back to his like weird Orientalist spy master lair. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> yep. And then it turns out uh, that you know. Uh, this is from a different anthology, but there's a there's a short called Sometimes They Come Back, which I think is also about zombies. Um, and but uh, they they do come back as weird water zombies and uh, bury him at sea, and he dies similarly to them, um, which is like like a very short and concise summary for. I think the one that best captures, a, a, like, this is just a '50s noir that turns into a zombie movie at the end. Yep. Um, shout out specifically to Leslie Nielsen, who just <gasps> nails playing like an actual <gasps> villain. Uh, but it's Leslie Nielsen, so like it reads as arch regardless. But he he just plays it really straight, and it works so well that way. It's really yeah. good. Yeah, like all of the shots and the music. For some reason, like, okay, so this is the third segment, obviously. The music did not stick out to me until the second segment, because it's, like, really, really cartoony to the point of almost feeling like a Hanna-Barbera thing, um, which obviously was intentional. But this this one, oh, it's almost a masterpiece mm. at, at, like, uh, evoking a period. It's very, very, like, even... The way that it's like colored and filmed, it it really does feel like a true, true throwback in a way that like Tarantino should be jealous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Leslie Nielsen just chewing the fuck out of the scenery. I could not get over him. Yeah, but not doing his like typical "I'm the '50s man," but doing it as like a goof. Like he's just doing the '50s yeah, man, <laughs> right? He's not being comedic at all. Like it's 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 campy, but it's not like you know, it's not Naked Gun Leslie Nielsen. Yes, <laughs> this, <laughs> which is the one we know the best. This was the most Twilight Zone episode of the, the whole bunch. I think, like, not necessarily with the uh, with the zombie stuff. Mm-hmm. But the bulk of it just being kind of very simple plotting that rests entirely on the, the like slow build performances of actors in a very fifties TV way. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, uh, definitely. Like, the only difference between it and the Twilight Zone is it clearly has a bigger budget. <laughs> yes, uh, but like just the the scenes with them in the car and him like trying to negotiate him to go bury himself in the sand uh, are just the most Twilight Zone stuff because they go on a long time. They play a lot with the tension there. Um, and it's entirely just like there's nothing supernatural until they until they return. Well, no, the first sign that there's anything supernatural is this ridiculous shot. Uh, that's when the tides come in and he's underwater and he's been like, "Oh, I hope you can hold your breath." Um, 
and with the sheer power of determination, uh, Ted Danson underwater goes Super Saiyan. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is what uh, I described it as. Also, <laughs> um, as there's like a pink glow behind his hair, which is just on end because he's underwater and screaming. Yes, <laughs> and um, this is this- to go even further beyond. <laughs> Yes. This was my favorite. I don't know if we're picking favorites early. This was my favorite. This is my favorite too. I think this is my second favorite, but it's uh, close. Yeah, it's, it's close between this and um, uh, the the case for me. Uh, the crate. Oh, the, ca- the crate. That's it. Like, yes, the, the case. case. <laughs> the case. The crate. I was going to say cage. Like, definitely not cage. So it must be case. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also really like he comes back to his because uh, you've seen like Ted Danson's place, but he comes back to his own house. And it's just like Buddha statues and roll, wall scrolls and then like paintings that slide up to reveal that he's got cameras everywhere because he's like a paranoid <laughs> rich person. It is a master stroke in like villain character building to me that he's a buddhist i don't know why that's so funny to me it makes him seem so much more sinister (laughs) and he's taking he's taking a shower so your mind obviously goes all more he maybe he'll drown in the shower that'll be the the you know uh but no instead he gets out of the shower and the thing that makes him like realize there's someone else in the house is the noise of the painting going (laughs) as it slides up and reveals secret paddles Yes. Also, just shout out to Ted Danson's thick head of hair. Still going strong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the, the zombies are really good because I don't think I've ever seen in any other movie, like, waterlogged zombies in the same way. Because uh, mm-hmm. they, like, they do, like, uh, ridiculous gurgle talking. But also when he shoots them, uh, like, Ugh. black water pours out of their wounds in a way that is mm-hmm. really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. It's super mm-hmm. gross. It's disgusting. <laughs> Uh, but that's that one. And then we move on to the crate, uh, which is again, based on a short story. Uh, in this one, we start with, uh, who's afraid of Virginia Wolf happening? Um, <laughs> at, well, the prequel, I guess, because, uh, who's afraid of Virginia Wolf? If you don't know, is an old movie that's, uh, about this professor and his like wife and they hate each other and they come back from a night of like drinking to just have like this long existentialist bender until the next morning. Well, we that start they pull a younger couple. Yes. Into. Yeah. They pull a younger couple into this starts at that party and takes a sharp left turn. And in this, the professor is played by Hal Holbrook and the wife is played by Adrian Barbeau and they are both extremely just doing Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and it's really good. Um, it's really good. And uh, in like as this is happening, a janitor in the college that they're working at uh, finds a crate under the stairs that's been sealed away that's labeled Arctic Expedition June 19th, 1834. And he tells uh the Hal Holbrook characters, Henry's uh, friend Dexter about it. And he goes in and it turns as they go and open it up. It turns out inside is like a ridiculous, like Yeti baboon with like cartoon <laughs> monster teeth and claws that will just murder anyone who comes close to it. And it eats the janitor and uh, Dexter rushes out and tries to get someone to help. And he gets like the prodigy burnout guy. Um, who is just like, whatever, man, I'll go help, check it out for you, but you just need to chill. And he gets eaten. And so he goes to Henry and tells him all about it. And Henry's like, ah, I'll help you. I'll help you. But uh, first, I'm going to coax my wife into going in there and getting eaten because she sucks. And he convinces her to do so. And uh, she gets eaten. And then he tidies <laughs> it all up and dumps the box in the river. 
are in the lake in the quarry in the water in the quarry and he's like everything will be fine but will it because uh the the cave the crate bursts open at the very end um and we see the beast eyes oh it's so good like how holbrook and adrian barbeau are like so good in this that it's almost like a shame that it's a horror movie that only a few people would see you know what i mean like there's so many just mind-blowing bits of acting in this film. And he's, like, distractingly handsome. And he's not somebody that uh, I ever thought was handsome. <laughs> like, in All the President's Men, I didn't think, oh, he's handsome. But this movie, I'm like, oh, he's very rugged. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I I could watch them both all day. And her perm. Ooh, her perm. <laughs> Well, yeah, Adrian Barbeau looking very glamorous for 1982. Hal Holbrook looking very glamorous for 1975, but it is 1982. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Also, shout out to him. He's like 94 years old and he's still acting. Uh, yeah, he's great. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, he was in he was in All the Presents Men. Uh, great in that. I need to get a gif of the bit after the first. So the first time he shoots. Uh, he shoots um, his wife in like a fancy sequence. Yes. Uh, and she's kind of annoying everyone at the party, or at least he thinks she is, because he finds her repellent. And so he shoots her in the head, and then everyone like turns to look at her corpse, and then just slowly turns back and starts clapping. Yes. It's one of the funniest <laughs> shots I've ever seen. In, in the background of that shot, there is like this guy with this mustache who just looks yes. like a cartoon man. He's the funniest looking man I've ever seen. There's <laughs> <laughs> like a whole, I guess a whole crowd there, but all my attention to this one guy. Yes. Look at him. <laughs> yes. Uh, so uh, I need to gift that. <laughs> yes. And it's weird because like this one is like a very pulpy story plot wise that I don't think it like matters that much but he's just acted the hell out of like across the board <laughs> yeah i think that like the actual tension between those two and the like gender-based resentment that is building uh inside hell is like very good like it's just a normal movie right yep. except there happens to be a big monster in the crate but like they just do it they just yep. straight up do it it's great yeah there's no way they didn't somebody didn't go you know let's imagine with that party that takes place before the opening credits of who's afraid of virginia wolf let's just put that in this movie yes like it it's too too spot on to not be a shout out yep, yep. and then how holbrook's just like genial menace uh is all very good uh because he's like mm-hmm. yeah i'll help you clean up the bodies it's fine don't worry about it and t- goes and cleans up a, a, a big mess from three bodies which is a lot of people to clean up from um but he just does it very casually and then gets his wife murdered and feels very good about it goes home plays chess <laughs> <laughs> yeah all the imaginary murders of his wife uh billy through this are really fun yes i also love like you get you get the sense like oh he's like really unfair to her maybe she's like not that bad and he's projecting and they have a clearly non-functioning marriage or whatever but then he writes the note to get her to college like oh uh dexter got himself in trouble the young co-ed and she's like reading this as she's drinking like a milk with uh, booze in it just like laughing at the idea of like their shitty work friend assaulted this girl like she's also just the fucking worst oh she's terrible uh, I just like the despicability of everyone involved in this. It's very good. Yeah. 
It's yes, it's a masterstroke. <laughs> this movie is very underrated to me. Yes. <laughs> um, well, yeah. I mean, I think that like throughout this movie, right? Um, you take a look at this segment, and the obvious thing is that it's you know the shittiness of masculinity and the insecurity that lead to just horrible violence. Uh, but I think that the thing that strikes out throughout the whole movie is that it's very angry at rich people all the time. <laughs> it yes. hates them so much. Yeah, I mean, like, that's just uh, Romero. And, you know, King to a lesser yeah. extent, uh, especially in this era, King to maybe more of an extent uh, thing. Oh, before he was insanely rich? Yes. <laughs> Romero, yeah. Romero uh, for a, like, a famous director, never actually got rich, so he was always mm-hmm. like this. Man just fucking I mean, this, hated rich people. <laughs> sure did. This movie was filmed around Pittsburgh, yeah. and, like, he, you know, his old haunts, and very, like, low budget, I feel like, mm-hmm. but... Uh, and then we have the last short, which is they're creeping up on you, uh, which is about a, like, just like robber baron, but like now he's old and paranoid and strung out, but his expresses through like a deep fear of bugs and germs, and he lives in the penthouse that he has hermetically sealed up into just a white hellscape, like, airlock, where he lives and ruins people's lives from a phone and a fax and a computer, and he is seeing bugs. Uh, uh, that seemed tipped very early. Maybe they're real. Maybe they're not. Cause he sprays a bug and it dies. And then he sees another bug and looks over and the bug he sprayed is no longer there. Um, but, uh, he slowly has his, uh, penthouse apartment overrun with cockroaches as a blackout happens. And he's racist to the guy who could fix it. So that guy's like, fuck you. Uh, and he just is fucking miserable and he gets what's coming to him. And it's good. <laughs> Other than the part where it's like the grossest thing in the world. <laughs> It's oh, so it's... gross. I hate looking at it. Like, yes, it is very satisfying. Uh, I understand why you put this at the end, um, because it's good to see this guy get murked yes. by all the bugs. Also, I, I have to say, like, I feel like it's also just the most upsetting thing that happens in the entire film. Like, the rest of the film is very campy, very schlocky, uh zombie twists and really well done zombies and monsters and creatures but this is something that like you know cockroaches are real we uh, can't avoid them in real life <laughs> i think i'd put it second to the being buried alive in the tide shit mm. uh like that's also one of these right you just put that that could just be in a more in a like not a horror movie necessarily at least in these like creature sense right you just put that in some weird episode of csi they, <laughs> i guess they, they go catch the 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 guy that buries people in the beach on las vegas <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a lot of work for the for me to read that as a plausible scenario but this cockroach thing like i lived in places growing up that had bugs so mm-hmm. this one is the one I saw this movie maybe for the first time around the age of like seven or eight, and I've watched it over and over and over, and I'm 33 now. I'll be 34 in January, and this is the one that I think about the most. It's the one that is the hardest for me to watch. Like, I covered my eyes multiple times, and I, yeah, this was the one I, like, to me, this is the movie. This segment is the movie. It's it's not even my favorite because I find it so disgusting, but it is the one I remember the best and every single beat of it. And it was very funny because Em and I kept 
like giggling throughout the whole thing and getting uncomfortable and M kept saying, well, you know how it ends. You know how it ends. But M actually forgot how it I ended. I forgot how it ended. I remember the thing turning on and all the bugs being gone. I didn't remember the next step of that, which is the actual grossest <laughs> thing in the world. Yes. Which is, yeah. And that was the thing I was dreading, which is where you see his body and then all the bugs bust out of his dead body and fill the room he's in. And it is horrible. It's so, it's so gross. It's so gross. I hate it so much. Right, because the ending is like, oh, did he just have a heart attack type thing? Did he just 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 lose his mind completely? And then just infinite bugs, bugs everywhere. Look at all these bugs. And I'm just like, I don't want to look at the bugs. Thank you. I don't want to look at any of the bugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, I don't, it's just... I'm telling you, I think this segment caused a lot of my adulthood, like, contamination-related anxiety. I really do. Like, because I was watching it, and I was like, I'm having, like, almost a panic attack. I think I have to talk to my therapist about this movie. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And the, the, the guy, the guy in it is just, just the worst person. He's a fucking asshole. Like he does, like he. It's no one could deserve it more than this fucking guy. <laughs> no, and like even more, he's like he's even more of a cartoonish evil guy uh, than um, Leslie Nielsen. Yes, uh, he is E.G. Marshall. Uh, I know yes. him for playing uh, one of the jurors in Twelve Angry Men. Um, oh, yes, he's an absolute legend. Yes, uh, I, I want to say he did a bunch of Twilight Zone episodes, but I cannot remember off the top of my head. Mm. I should go watch some Twilight Zone. It's the best uh, show. Yeah. It's great. He also, he also plays the president in Superman 2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was uh, juror number four, and he was in a great movie called Compulsion. He was, he was like, just a big guy in the 50s. Um, but yeah, yeah. Great actor. Yes. Uh, 12 Angry Men. If you haven't seen that, go see that. That's one of those that, like... I didn't watch for a long time because I'm like, oh, it's probably too much of a, like, it's probably one of those boring classics. No, it's good. It's good. No, it's great. We watched it in school. Like, in high school, we read the play and they made us I didn't watch it in school, but I knew that it was one that was watched in school, which is why I assumed it was not actually good. And I was wrong. No, it's beautiful. It's like, it's about racism. It's about just the justice system and also just... I don't know. A lot of great actors in that. Why? Sorry, this is mean. But you saying, you saying, I thought it was one of the boring ones. Taught at school, and you're going, no, it's about racism. <laughs> it's about racism in a way no, that, like, I agree with you. I agree with you. That film is fucking incredible. I love it so much. I should rewatch it because I, I'd be curious how like my perspective on it has changed from being 17. Um, but that film's amazing. Well, I was just going to say, like, the way that it is about racism, I feel like is very, like, sensitive for the time that the movie comes out in. Mm-hmm. At least in my opinion. Yeah. 
and then that ends, and it's gross. Uh, and then we get a little bit of an epilogue where uh, the child who... The, the, the comic book, which has been thrown away, is picked up by two garbage men, one of them played by Tom Zavini. They joke about it, flip through. They're like, ah, someone already cut out the ad for the voodoo doll. And it cuts back to the house as the dad is complaining of sudden neck pain as we see this, the boy upstairs stabbing the, ball, the doll repeatedly as his father is murdered by the voodoo doll the end <laughs> it's a it's not a good tag <laughs> it's very ridiculous it's only good because uh tom zavini is always good when he shows up in anything oh yeah the two guys went going comic book at each other <laughs> over the sounds of <laughs> of the thing uh, is so funny that part's good but the bit where it's just and then he uses the voodoo doll to murder his father it's like okay cool i guess <laughs> thanks for that yeah. i super love it it's the best. Uh, this movie, oh, watching it, I thought I was going to get like upset because I heavily associate it with my mother because it was a movie that she loved growing up. Mm-hmm. Or not growing up. Yeah, growing up. She was a teenager when this movie came out. Um, It's kind of weird to say that. But yeah, so it was a movie, like one of my last memories of Halloween with her is sitting down and watching the- this and the sequel with her. And so... That was the last time I watched it. And rewatching it, it's it's so much fun. And I always assumed it was this huge flop. No, it was like the number one movie of that year that Warner Brothers released. It was a huge hit. <laughs> um, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. It's good. Oh, uh, yeah. Correction. Apparently, E.G. Marshall was never on the Twilight Zone. I don't know why I thought that. <laughs> Fair enough. He's got one of those faces. Yep. Uh, so yeah, uh, any other thoughts? I w- grew up with this movie. Uh, I remember it being really campy. I kind of remember the structure of everything. Um, but rewatching it, like, it's just good. Like, it was, it, yes. it's silly, but it's less, like, campy silly than I remember and more just, like, thoughtfully good about representing the thing it's trying to reflect. Uh, mm-hmm. like, there's a deep love of this kind of storytelling, uh, that had really fallen out of fashion, uh, in this movie. And I think it all really works. Uh, like the something tied you over in the crate are clearly the standouts here, but I didn't hate any of these and had a really good time rewatching this. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Despite all my memories of it being overpowered by the cockroach segment. Yeah, no, this movie's great. The sequel isn't even that bad. I've never seen the uh, sequel. I have the DVD somewhere in my stuff. It's probably at my grandma's. It's but, on Shutter. Um, we'll watch it sometime. But there's a very memorable uh, hook with a hand type villain guy in it, and yeah, it's a good, it's a good time. Yeah, uh, uh, that's also Romero and King. Yeah, uh, yeah. Romero doesn't direct it, but he is like credited as a producer. I think he's a writer on it, maybe. Yeah, um, I think he did screenplay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Creepshow 2 came out in 1987. Creepshow 3 doesn't have any of the people involved and was a direct-to-DVD thing in 2007 that I've heard is terrible. Um, I don't... I've never heard anyone say anything positive about it. Um, Shudder recently, as in like last month, uh, premiered a show... Uh, creep show that has like actors that are still around like adrian barbeau is in it uh tobin bell who's not in it but is you know famous horror uh actor is in uh short or whatever uh it has a stephen king adaptation and i've heard it's really good it's got special effects uh by greg nicotero who's producing um 
I heard a uh, friend of the show, uh, Manofsky article on Twitter, uh, said it was clearly Nicotero wanting to show that he could do more than Walking Dead and just like showing off special effects stuff, which is probably fantastic. Yeah, if the special effects are anything even close to this movie, I am on board. Yep. Um, so that's that. Uh, we don't have any questions. If you'd like to send questions in the future about the movies we're watching or any movie, really, you can send them to podcast at abnormalmapping.com. Uh, we love to get questions. Uh, you know, just let us know. And next week, we are watching Cleo from five to seven. Uh, which is, uh, you know, classic film, uh, by Agnes Varda, uh, about Paris and a woman going through Paris as she's waiting for the test results from a biopsy. And it's just like an existential slice of life thing. It's not quite a- in real time. Another kind of horror. Yes, another kind of horror. Uh, it's a movie's not quite in real time because it's only an hour and a half. Uh, but, uh, you know, Cleo from five to six thirty does not sound nearly as good. <laughs> um, <laughs> Anyway, if you want to watch that in the U.S., uh, it is streaming on the Criterion channel. And if you have Canopy, it's also there, um, which is a library service if your local library supports it. Um, good way to watch movies, um, if a little fraught. Uh, For sure. Jackson, how would one watch this in the U.K., if one could? Um one would watch Cleo from 5 to 7 when I have searched in Cleo from 5 to 7 into Just Watch. Uh, it's on iTunes and YouTube, um, but you have to like rent it. Uh, it is not on any of the free streaming services here. Those are the ones you mentioned, All America Exclusive. Yes. Um, so you can either find it there. I'm sure there's a DVD release and Blu-ray release. What if you uh, VPN'd into an American Friends <laughs> Criterion Channel account? What if? What if? Uh, but I was excited for for that movie, and then you tell me what it is, and now I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. I've I seen believe it. you. It's just good. oh god. Um. Anyway, uh, that's it. Uh, Destiny, where can people find you online? At fridgebuzznow on twitter.com. Jackson, where can people find you online? Uh, at headfallsoff on twitter.com, and you can find the other podcast that we do at abnormalmapping.com. Um, and there's a whole bunch of them. You can also get to the Discord from there. Uh, it's on the homepage, anormapping.com. Yeah, hang out on our Discord, talk about movies. We love talking about movies. I always want people in the Discord who are going to talk about anything but Gundam. Please save us from ourselves. But if you do want to he- talk about Gundam, uh, you can go to <laughs> patreon.com slash abnormalmapping. And for $1 a month, you will get The Great Gundam Project, which is me and Jackson watching Gundam uh, every Wednesday. We are starting this week G Gundam, which is a Gundam about giant robots that fight uh, in a big well. tournament. Okay. Um, and uh, we're also watching Pat Labor, which is about uh, what if the robots were cops that were piloted by cops and how fraught Double would that cop. be? <laughs> yes, uh, which is good. Um, they know. Um, so look forward to that. And uh, until next time, I guess, you might uh, you might go to the movies, but... Don't expect to like them. <laughs>